Well, we have now come to part four in the book of signs called the tribulation signs. Well, as Christian, Kristen said last month, I was really hoping I would not be standing here and that we would all be raptured and, and then we wouldn't be doing this part in the book. But this is all in the Lord's timing. So when you begin reading part four at home, I would suggest grabbing some Hershey kisses and hunker down because it's, it's, it's quite a part in this book. Um, the Lord does have an incredible plan for each of these signs. Now, there's nine chapters within part four. And um, I think we have a slide to put up on the wall. There we go. So thank you. Um, so that'll list the uh, chapters and their titles. So I'm going to try to whet your appetite tonight to read each chapter by just sharing a little bit about each one. I'd also like to share why the topics of the rapture and the uh, tribulation have had such a huge impact on my life. Now, hearing of these incredible events was really the catalyst that the Lord used to bring me to a personal relationship with him. Back when I was in senior high school, a girl that I played field hockey and lacrosse with invited me to a Bible study. Now, I admired her a lot and was very happy to be asked, so I went. The study was held at the home of one of my high school coaches who also taught biology. The topic taught on that night was the rapture, and then there was an introduction to the tribulation period that follows it. Now, as I sat there listening, kind of looking around the room, I really thought I was hearing science fiction. I'm thinking, well, now, after all, this gentleman, is a, he's a science teacher, so this just must be his, his funny take on something from the Bible. Well, I grew up attending a denominational church that I loved, and in that church, I really learned to love God. I also know that he loved me. But here I am at this Bible study, and I am knowing that I never heard a teaching in church from this book of the Bible. I actually honestly didn't know there was a book in the Bible called Revelation. Now, I knew this teacher fairly well, and I highly respected and admired him and his wife. So after listening to this Bible study, I decided I definitely wanted to be raptured. I learned that those raptured wouldn't uh, experience the tribulation period. So I was so excited at that thought. Now, I'm not sure. I have a twin sister named Linda, and I'm not sure why she did not attend this study with me. But I do remember running home to tell her all about this study. Now, she was also amazed that this was biblical and not science fiction. So let me ask, do you have a family member that you love to tell about the rapture and the tribulation? Maybe for some reason you've hesitated. I would say capitalize on your enthusiasm like I did with my sister. I told her everything I could remember from that first study. The following high school studies that I attended were on the tribulation period. Now, I can't say I remember very many specifics about those studies. It was a few decades ago. <laughs> But I do remember that I was awestruck with the horrors that would come upon people that were still going to be on earth. I learned that Satan really was a, 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 a terrible, horrible force in this world and that there was a man coming on the scene called the Antichrist and that there would be a mark of the beast. At the conclusion of each of the studies, um, we were given an invitation to invite Christ into our heart and become a born-again Christian. Well, there's another term I had never heard before, which was born again. I didn't even know the words born again have been said by Jesus and were recorded in the Bible. 
I did not know that I needed to acknowledge and confess my sins, nor that I, pre- that I needed to personally receive Christ as my Savior. A Bible verse quoted at one of these studies was John uh, chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, who is a ruler of the Jews. This verse reads, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I did ask Jesus into my heart following one of the studies on the tribulation. So do you have a family member who maybe doesn't really know what it means to be born again or understand that or know that they need to do that? Tell them about that. Explain what it means. At that time, my twin sister also, like I, did not know what it meant. The Holy Spirit uh, will provide the right time and will help you with what to say. I would go home. I would tell my sister everything I learned at each study. I told her about what it meant to be born again. And in time, she also asked Christ into her heart. So she walks very closely with the Lord today. I am so grateful that Christians will not experience um, or even see the tribulation that is going to come upon this world. Revelations chapter 3, verse 10 reads, Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on earth. Now let me define the tribulation period. The rapture of the church and the return of Christ will be separated by a seven-year tribulation period. During this period of time, unspeakable horrors are going to be unleashed upon the world by Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Only the Lord knows when the rapture will begin. He has told us in scripture a lot about the tribulation. Through prophecy, God has made the darkness of the world's approaching doom clear to us. As I begin a short comment on each of these chapters, I want to mention that Pastor Joe is currently teaching on Sunday morning from the book of Revelation. If you haven't heard or tuned into these teachings, I really encourage you to do that. Go on the website and pick them up. I believe you'll gain a lot of insight from the Lord through Dr. David Jeremiah as you begin the first chapter in part four, chapter 18, titled Four Riders. Now, Dr. Jeremiah begins by writing about prophecies of judgment. He then describes what is meant by the riders on each horse and what event um, they bring into the world. In the sixth chapter of Revelation, the four seals are broken open to reveal the events that will initiate the seven years of trouble upon the earth. The seven years which we know as the tribulation. In this chapter, Dr. Jeremiah writes that as the four seals are opened, a rider on a horse will go forth upon the earth. Find out what Dr. Jeremiah has written about the meaning behind each rider and the horse they rode on and what they mean in the tribulation. It is so interesting. Chapter 19, Dr. Jeremiah writes of the Antichrist, a terrifying person, that ev- uh, just an avowed enemy and despiser of God. He's a vicious, ferocious, depraved, diabolical man. I could put in a whole lot more adjectives. Um, He's going to level unprecedented cruelty upon the world. Who he is cannot be revealed until he who hinders or restrains is taken out of the way. The hindering force that's keeping the Antichrist from being revealed today is the power of the Holy Spirit working within the church. Only after Jesus Christ takes his church away will this man of sin be revealed. 
He rules the world for a while with an iron fist. He is a man empowered and controlled by Satan. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, John writes that I saw a beast rising out of the sea. Dr. Jeremiah writes that the word sea doesn't refer to the ocean, but to humanity. This is the Antichrist. To clarify this event of the Antichrist being on the scene, I have to add in that the restraining power of the Holy Spirit will be removed from the earth at the rapture of true believers. The Holy Spirit will remain as multitudes will come to Christ during the tribulation period, and they will be filled with the Holy Spirit. As followers of Christ, we need to be so thankful, thankful thankful to our Lord that we will not be on earth during the tribulation period. You'll read much more about him in this chapter. The false prophet, chapter 20 in our book, is spoken of in Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. And I quote, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. The false prophet will be the Antichrist's accomplice or his special assistant, as Dr. Jeremiah writes. He'll manipulate and deceive masses of people. He's really the epitome of the deceiver that Jesus warns about in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 15, which reads, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. In chapter 21, martyrs. Martyrs will arise during the tribulation. These people are non-Christians at the beginning of the tribulation who become believers at some point during the tribulation. They will be killed or martyred because of their allegiance to Christ. Now, following the rapture, the scriptures will remain. People will um, that have been left behind will reflect back on tracts that they've been given and books that they've read, testimonies they've heard, Bible stories they, they'll recall. <clears throat> A very interesting thing or item that I became acquainted with at this high school Bible study was the rapture box. I don't know if you've ever heard of that or not, but it's this wooden box that has a glass front and it reads on it, in case of rapture, break glass. It's really pretty cool. <laughs> um, people, when I have seen these, people put materials inside that explain where they had gone, that they had been raptured. They put in things like um, materials telling about the tribulation, telling about the rapture. Um, there's usually a Bible put in there marked with various scriptures, some tracts, whatever explanation they want to include to tell the glassbreaker what has happened. When I saw the box, I loved the idea. But a sad reality was I really did not want family nor friends to be reading the things inside that rapture box as that would mean they weren't raptured. This really spurred me on to share more of what I have been learning. I'd like to share on chapter 22, 144,000 in a little bit more detail. This is really one of the more uplifting topics in these chapters. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 4, the Apostle John tells of 144,000 Jewish witnesses who will serve as evangelists to the world. This verse reads, And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Now these 144,000 evangelists will be sealed by God and protected throughout the tribulation. 
They truly are on a mission from God. The Lord will use these men to bring multitudes to Christ during the tribulation period. God will take care of his people during this horrific time. As Paul wrote in Romans chapter 11, verse 2, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Dr. Jeremiah writes, In the depths of the tribulation horrors, the world will witness the greatest spiritual awakening ever to occur on planet Earth. Our loving and creative God continually surprises us with the methods he devises to care for his people in their darkest hours. As the tribulation period begins, God's care and love will be shown through these specially chosen Jewish evangelists who will devote themselves relentlessly to preaching Christ throughout the world. Matthew 24, verse 14 reads, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. These Jewish missionaries will survive the tribulation and will be alive when the millennium begins. Now, I only wish I had known even a smattering of this when I uh, first began my teaching career in the elementary school. Now, my children knew just over different things that I spoke about during the years. Um, They knew that I really loved God. One of my first grade girls, one day out of the clear blue, standing in line going to recess, asked me, who are the 144,000 Jewish believers? (laughs) Well, I just kind of looked at her, and she was Jewish, and she felt very comfortable asking this question. Um, And previously, during the week, she had been asking me a number of different questions about Jesus, which I did answer. Well, this one, I had absolutely no idea what the question even meant, nor exactly where it was coming from. I mean, I didn't recall hearing anything about this ever. And I remember thinking to myself that, well, when you're seven years old, you can be a little bit random, so I don't really know where this came from. I did tell her I'd get back to her, and I did get back to her with an extremely limited answer. And interestingly, right about that time, she told me that her mom said she wasn't allowed to ask any more questions to me about the Bible or Jesus. So I thought, well, I had had a limited window to share with her, and now it was closed. Her question really convicted me, though. This little girl's question taught me and encouraged me to really further seek out what the Bible says about the tribulation period. So I I just ask you, do you have a young child or children in your life that really need to hear about Jesus? Let the Holy Spirit guide you into this and through this remarkable blessing. Proverbs 22, verse 6 reads, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, in the book Gentle and Lowly that Pastor Joe has recommended, the author challenges us with the thought that our job is to show our kids that even our best love is a shadow of greater love, and that's Christ's love. To put a sharper edge on it, to make the tender heart of Christ irresistible and unforgettable. Chapter 23, Two Witnesses, this is also a topic of encouragement. For the first three and a half years of the tribulation, two prophets of God will call Israel and the world to repent of ungodliness. Revelations 11, 3 reads, And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. 
Now, in Scripture, wearing sackcloth is a sign of mourning or repentance. John reveals much about these two witnesses. Where their exact identity isn't written, their purpose is. The world at that time will think that all is well. These witnesses will awaken people <clears throat> excuse me, of the world to their sinfulness and their need to repent. As you read this chapter, you'll learn of the miracles our Lord will perform and how he'll use these two men, along with those 144,000 Jewish evangelists, to cause a great revival. This really is a fascinating chapter to study. <clears throat> Wait until you read of their persecution and their preservation in this. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 and 23 reads, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. It is a wonderful blessing to be a witness to those who don't know Jesus. I personally have to daily ask the Lord for boldness and courage to speak about him to those that he puts in my path. One particular example of this for me occurred when I was still teaching. One of our custodians, Jack, very suddenly took ill and had to be hospitalized. He was actually very critical and wasn't expected to live long. We had the school children make cards for him, and uh, the teacher's prayer group that I was part of began to pray for him. I felt the Lord really impressing on my heart to go to the hospital and pray with him. Um, I spent actually quite a while making sure that the Lord was really saying this, and I wasn't just making this up in my mind. It's like, mm, no. I would say things like, you want me to go pray with him? I mean, I don't really know him all that well. Um, like, are you sure, Lord? And he was sure. So my husband drove me to the hospital in Philadelphia, and I was directed to his room. The walls were covered with the cards that the kids had made, which was really neat. Now, Jack was comatose the whole time that I was there, but I really felt the Lord urging me to just pray the prayer of salvation into his ear. Now, they say that the hearing is the last to go, so I did pray to him, and I did ask him to repeat this in his heart. Now, I can't stand here and say that Jack did pray that prayer, but the Lord flooded me with such a peace in my heart that I really remember that to this day. And I really believe Jack is in heaven. So has the Lord put an acquaintance or a, a, a work colleague on your heart to pray with? Just go for it. He'll direct you for sure. The time is short. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 2 reads, in part, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Chapter 24, Dragon. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, pictures Satan as a great dragon, a deceiver, the devil. It reads, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. He is vicious and depraved. As Dr. Jeremiah writes, having failed to keep Christ from the world, he is determined to keep the world from Christ. As you go through this chapter, you'll read more about his power, his partners, and his purpose. Chapter 25 is Mark of the Beast. Satan plans to use a mark during the tribulation, the mark of the beast, and it will be worldwide. 
The false prophet will tell the world that a mark of obedience to the Antichrist will be necessary to buy or sell anything in the marketplace. Read about this. I really shudder at the thought of what Christians are going to go through during the tribulation period. They must reject that mark. Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 28 reads, And do not fear them who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. If you've personally received Christ, you will not experience the horrors of the tribulation. Now, you probably know, as I do, many who are not saved, and I do just implore you to challenge those that the Lord puts on your heart. <clears throat> will, the, will God be the Lord of their life, their Savior, or will they not be marked as God's own? The Strategy of Satan is a book written by Warren Wearsby that some of our Calvary Senior High ministry students have read through. In a nutshell, Satan's strategy is to turn as many people as he can from God. If you're a Christian today, you will never have to face <clears throat> excuse me, the decision to receive the mark of the beast. Think of those who are not saved. Sometimes we face embarrassment or ridicule, even sometimes threats. But it truly is a privilege and a blessing to share Christ with people that the Lord puts on your heart. You may be used just to plant the seed of salvation in a person's heart. Somebody else will water it, and God will bring the increase. The Holy Spirit will give you the grace to do just that. When you read the last chapter, Armageddon, you may find, as I did, that that word just strikes fear in your heart. You've probably heard the word in various movies and books. It has just a kind of a scary doomsday connotation. Armageddon is the biblical name for the earth's final great battle. When Israel is saved from annihilation and the rebellious nations of earth are defeated. Biblically, this will be the name of the battle that ends it all. You might want a boatload of chocolate for this one. It's quite a chapter. <clears throat> Just keep remembering we who trust the Lord as Savior need to have no fear. The challenging question is how will each one of us respond to the reality of the tribulation? We need to anchor our faith daily in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need a faith that cannot be shaken. A friend gave me an acrostic, you know what that is, where you take the first letter of each word and put a word to it. Anyway, it was for the word faith. So it, the acrostic is forwarding all issues to heaven. And I thought it's just, it's perfect. That's what we need. We need a spirit of faith. Christians are not called to a life where every choice we make is going to be comfortable and safe. But we're called to a life of commitment to Jesus who loves us enough to die for us. He offers us the incredible reward of eternity with him. God in his infinite love, desires to have us with him throughout all of eternity. He accepts those who come to him even in the last moments of life. I think back to Jack, and I think about Luke um, chapter 23, verses 42 and 43. You might recall the thief on the cross and what he had said to Jesus. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. 
Now, this man hadn't obviously been raised in any kind of a church home or a church atmosphere. He hadn't been baptized. He didn't serve God in any way. He simply believed who Jesus was with amazing faith. He is not willing that any should should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is from 2 Peter 3, verse 9. This verse causes me to reflect back on a time I'd spent with my mom. She had spent some time rehabbing um, from cancer surgery in a retirement home. During one of those times, she had a roommate named Grace, just a precious woman. She was also about 90 years of age, and she had been in this retirement home literally for decades. She didn't have a family member in the world. She outlived most of the friends she had met there. She had never married, and the only sibling she had was a brother who had also died. I remember going in and just sitting with her and my mom day after day. I read a book to them called Joshua. Now, each day I would read, she would just lay there so interested in the story. The Lord would easily lead our conversation around to Jesus and salvation and heaven Now, Grace said that she had always gone to a denominational church, which she very much loved. She said that her church, like mine, didn't teach about receiving Christ as your personal Savior. So one day, pretty much towards the very end of the book, the Lord prompted me to ask her, Grace, are you sure that one day you'll go to heaven? She just kind of sweetly said, no, no, I'm not. So I said, well, would you like to be sure of that? And he asked Jesus to be your personal savior. Just said, yes, yes, I would. I thought, ooh, I'm doing good on this. <laughs> like, hmm, would you want to confess your sins and give your life to Jesus and receive his gift of salvation and eternity in heaven? Yes, I would like that. It's like, oh, yes. So we prayed together. And I think we both, I know we both had tears in our eyes. Now, as I reflect back on that, I know the Holy Spirit just kind of made it easy for me to share with her. And it's to, it's to say that whoever the Lord puts in your life and into your heart, share the Lord with them. It's just amazing how that might be exactly what they're looking for. Now, Grace did go to be with Jesus about three months later. Now, my mom, who was 90 years old at the time, um, had only been saved for a few years. She was thrilled to be part of hearing grace receive the Lord. So has the Lord put somebody on your life that just hasn't heard the message of salvation? Think about what might be holding you back and ask the Holy Spirit to rid you of that and to guide your words and your thoughts and just walk in boldness. Have just courageous conversations. John Chapter 1, verse 9 reads, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. We know the end times are a whole lot closer today than they were yesterday. We have a whole lot less time to share the gospel of uh, Jesus Christ with those whom the Lord puts in our path. And it is such a privilege to be used by God in somebody else's life. A little bit over five years ago, Pastor Mike taught from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, which reads, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, a sound mind means of good judgment. 
a spirit of fear is a sign that you or I think that God is just not working. We all have fears. I know on a Christian sense, I have a fear to to pray aloud, to witness, to challenge people's questions or objections to the gospel. Well, Satan will use those fears by intimidating us to just stop sharing the gospel and the good news of Jesus, figuring somebody else will do it. We all tend to hesitate or fear stepping out of our comfort zone. God needs us to not be driven by the spirit of fear. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 reads, Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season, which means to always be ready. Rebuke, reprove, exhort with all long suffering or patience and doctrine. Doctrine is the solid truth. When it comes to presenting the gospel, just be prepared and wait on the Lord. Allow him to lead you to the person, allow it to be in his timing. But be faithful and just leave the results to the Lord. Remember Jack that I mentioned um, from my teaching time, the custodian that I prayed with in the hospital? Well, I know the Lord prompted me to do this, but in my insecurity and my pride, I decided a few days after this that I needed to go down and pray with him again. I thought, I just have to make sure I did things right. I just know I need to go back. So I literally like strong-armed my husband into driving me back down again to the hospital. And I should have known because I didn't really lift this up in prayer. And the traffic was horrible as we're trying to get down there. We couldn't find a place to park. So Bob had to let me out and drive around for a while while I went into the hospital and up to Jack's room. So he was being tended to by nurses, so I couldn't go in. Then a family member came, so I couldn't go in then. Then the doctor came in to see him, although, again, he was still comatose. So bottom line is I never got to see Jack again. And that was me thinking I needed to do this, not the Lord leading me to do it again. And that was just a valuable lesson I learned. Allow the Lord to lead you to the people he wants you to share the Lord with. Don't stress over sharing, sharing him. The Lord makes it such a privilege to us. The Holy Spirit will provide the opportunity. Now, you want to have your heart prepared and then just leave the results to Jesus. He will bring the increase. The Bible reminds us in Proverbs 19, verse 21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I also cling to Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, which you might know. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. Lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So if you're not sure tonight that you're going to heaven to live forever with Jesus, and you're thinking like I did, I'm not positive I'll escape the horrors of that tribulation, then come down front and pray with some of our ladies that we have here. We have a wonderful prayer team. Or if you just need prayer for any particular reason at all, something the Lord's put on your heart or something that's been stirred in you, if you study, as you've studied the previous parts in our book, please come down and pray. So I'm going to close in prayer, and we're good to go. All right. <laughs> 
Well, Lord Jesus, thank you immeasurably, Lord God, just for having us here, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done for us, Lord God, that you have made a way for us to escape what is to come, Lord, that you have forgiven us of our sins, Father God, that you have allowed us to live with you forever in eternity, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for the person that shared you with us, Lord Jesus, that person that you brought into our lives. I thank you, Father, for the um, chance that we have to glean from your word daily to grow in you, Lord God. So I lift this time up to you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for each lady here. I pray you'll touch each one's heart, Lord Jesus. We love you. We praise you and thank you, Father God. Amen.